What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In a beautiful little hamlet in Switzerland, something lay sleeping in the mountainside for centuries. Something ancient and terrifying. No mere man should be able to defeat a creature so massive and strong. But Marco had to try. His family, his town, even the entire world depended on it. Something ancient was sleeping inside Marco as well. Was it the memories of a past life? The life of a dragon slayer? Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Wyvern, a dragon-like creature from European mythology and folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Marco awoke to the walls of his farmhouse shaking. He could see the pictures moving back and forth on the walls and feel the bed vibrating beneath him. It hadn't been the first time that he felt the earth shake. He had talked to his neighbors about it, but none of them believed him. His mother hadn't even felt it, and they lived under the same roof. Marco had taken over the farm when his dad's dementia worsened to the point that he could no longer care for the place. Caring for his father had become a full-time job for his mother. So he took care of the farm, while she took care of him. Leo and Anna, his parents, had moved to Brienne's after they had honeymooned there in the early 70s. They had fell in love with the mountains, the lake, and the people. There they bought some land and started a farm. Then later Marco was born. They had been there ever since. Brienne's, a picturesque hamlet in Switzerland, looked as beautiful as any village in Switzerland that you may imagine. With stunning landscapes, vibrant blue lake water, and vast mountains towering above, it looked like paradise. Marco never had any desire to leave. On the contrary, he planned on proposing to Sienna, his girlfriend, for over two years. He wanted the farm to be where they started their own family. But now he was beginning to worry. The tremors he had been feeling seemed to be getting stronger, 
and his worst fears were confirmed when the mountainside began to give way one piece at a time. Marco got out of bed and went into the kitchen and stood by the breakfast nook. He was looking out the window when he saw it. It was just barely daylight, but he could make out the side of the mountain very clearly. Boulders and smaller rocks were breaking free and rolling down into the valley, barely missing homes and landing in gardens and fields. Marco knew what had to be done. He couldn't let his worry consume him. He had to take action. He got out of bed and quickly got dressed. He woke his mother and told her to get dressed and pack some essentials. They had to leave the farm immediately. He helped her get his father dressed as well and then helped her get him to the front door. Marco rushed to the barn and got the old truck started. The truck's engine belched and coughed, each turn of the key. It sounded like the roaring engine of a plane taking off. He honked the horn to signal to his mother to come out of the house. As she came out, bringing his father with her, Marco could see the fear in her eyes. He did his best to reassure her that they would be safe. They drove down the dusty road towards the village. The tremors were getting stronger, and it felt like the ground beneath them could give way at any time. They drove past their neighbors' homes, but no one was in sight. Marco hoped that they had already evacuated. As they reached the village, they could see a crowd of people gathered in the town square. Marco parked the truck, and they joined the crowd. Everyone watched in horror as the mountainside gave way. Dirt and rock rolled down, covering several houses in a wave of destruction. A dust plume filled the air, and everything went silent for a moment. But then they heard a strange noise. It sounded like the flapping of giant wings. The entire village watched as a giant winged serpent broke through the cloud of dust. Marco couldn't believe his eyes. He had never heard of such a creature before. The winged serpent was massive. Its scales glistened in the sunlight, and its eyes glowed like embers. He overheard someone whisper, Wyvern. And that's when he remembered reading about such a creature, when he was just a young boy obsessed with dragons. The villagers were paralyzed with fear, but Marco knew they had to act quickly. Without hesitation, he jumped back into the truck and drove towards the winged serpent. His mother begged him to turn back, but Marco was determined to protect his home and his people. As he got closer, he could see that the serpent was attacking the village, breathing fire, and destroying buildings. Marco knew he had to act fast. He drove the truck straight towards the serpent. He drove the truck straight towards the monster, honking the horn to get its attention. With a roar, the creature turned towards the truck, ready to attack. Marco slammed on the brakes and jumped out of the truck, grabbing a pitchfork from the back. He charged at the winged serpent, yelling at the top of his lungs. The creature was taken aback by Marco's bravery, and it hesitated for a moment. Marco didn't waste any time and lunged at the creature with the pitchfork. It let out a deafening roar and swapped at Marco with its massive claws. Marco narrowly avoided the attack and continued to jab at the serpent with the pitchfork. As Marco fought this monster, the villagers rallied around him, throwing rocks and anything they could find at the creature. 
The serpent was outnumbered and outmatched, and it knew it. With one last roar, the serpent took to the sky and disappeared into the horizon. Marco and the villagers cheered triumphantly. Marco wondered, had that creature been lying asleep inside the mountain? And if so, for how long? He also wondered if it would come back to finish what it had started. He couldn't allow that. It was too much to think of the possibility of losing his home or someone he loved to this monster. He knew that the government would send forces out to track it down, but they would want to keep it and study it. Something that dangerous needed to be destroyed. He wasn't sure why he felt so strongly about it. It was almost as if a strong feeling of deja vu was guiding him, like he had seen the same situation play out before. He knew somehow that if he didn't destroy the wyvern, it would eventually end badly. Not just for his little town, but for the entire world. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dragons appear in various forms throughout world folklore. Some have highly serpentine bodies and long bodies, sometimes with legs and sometimes without, like the Asian lungs or Eastern European dragons. The majority of people of Western European ancestry would be able to identify others by their horns, wings, at least two legs, and a mouthful of razor-sharp teeth that are ideal for tearing through a pursuing knight's armor. There is some question about whether the creature we are discussing today is a dragon or not. Although the legendary wyvern resembles a European dragon, it differs in that it only has two legs, has huge wings in place of front limbs, and occasionally possesses eagle's claws on the tips of its wings. Although the ability to breathe fire, like most dragons, is unknown, 
Wyverns have vicious barbs that resemble arrows that they use to kill their prey. In Western folklore, the wyvern is depicted as a vicious predator, with a vicious head, bat wings, and a tail. Though smaller, easier to attack, and with fewer powers, wyverns can move around a lot faster than dragons, thus giving them a big advantage. So you can never underestimate a wyvern, due to the fact that it's so swift. It might attack and kill even more efficiently and effectively than a dragon. Wyverns are portrayed as ferocious beasts that only kill to protect their life, in stark contrast to dragons who are frequently portrayed as evil monsters that kill millions to sate their bloodlust. Wyverns are also significantly less intelligent than their aforementioned cousin race. Depending on the folktale, wyverns are said to have minimal magic, if any magic at all. The most popular belief is that they don't breathe fire, with the exception of more contemporary versions. They rely more on physical prowess and agility to outperform their rivals in order to compensate for their weaknesses. Their most recognizable weapon is a bladed or barbed tail that, depending on the species, can contain a lethal venom that can kill a human in a matter of minutes. Some showed the ability to shoot corrosive venom from their mouths for long-range attacks. Wyverns are extremely dangerous opponents due to all of their skills. It's also believed to reside near water, such as woods, lakes, and small ponds. They can be observed in exposed caves on the sides of mountains. It burrows into the earth and digs with its claws, while moving underground with the tips of its wings. Also, the main food sources of the wyvern are underground species, but also animals that are easy to catch. Wyverns have grown to be one of the most recognizable monsters in contemporary fantasy. Even in works of fiction where wyverns don't exist, dragons with characteristics resembling those of wyverns do exist. Examples include the dragons of the Elder Scrolls, Game of Thrones, The Hobbit, and Drakengard, among other works. Wyverns are described as either a less intelligent subspecies of dragons, a different breed of dragon, or an entirely different creature altogether in settings where they do exist. Wyverns are especially popular in role-playing games, as they act as bosses and extremely powerful enemies. In games like Monster Hunter, where they are the most popular type of monster encountered, Fire Emblem, where more evil kingdoms like Macedon and Burn use them as war mounts, and The Lord of the Rings, where the Nazgul ride wyvern-like creatures known as fell beasts. Wyverns have frequently been portrayed as vicious beasts who often serve a higher power. Even though they are not always combative and wicked, some wyverns are shown to have a neutral or even helpful disposition and to be eager allies in the fight against evil. However, the author's interpretation alone determines whether they are shown as being good or wicked. The wyverns were nasty, vengeful, and extraordinarily strong creatures. They were reported to have legs the size of 100-year-old trees, and the strength to crush huge crowds, herds of animals, and even entire villages. Their burning eyes, which dominated their scaly, serpentine-like heads, were captivating and menacing. They were able to easily soar through the air and assault anything they believed would make a tasty snack, or a large buffet that they could slaughter and eat without hesitation or guilt. Their deadly arm-like wings frequently featured claws, 
and their tails finished with a lethal spike to aid in their hunts for prey and opportunities to wreak havoc. These dragons always stank of recently consumed flesh and had bloated bellies that were evident evidence of a recent feast. Because these mythical creatures were extremely strong and fundamentally evil, anyone who could subdue and kill one was seen as a dominant force and a magnificent hero. Depicting a trophy in its likeness in whatever context, whether on the prow of a pirate ship or as a part of a coat of arms, was seen as a sign of utter power and superiority. Wyverns first made an appearance in the form of a dragon around 752 AD. The legions of Emperor Trajan came across them in Dacia, on the standard flag of the ancient Dacian troops, which is still visible on the Trajan's column in Rome, Italy. The Dacian Draco displays the wyvern's head. Over the course of several centuries, they appeared in depictions ranging from the golden dragon on the flag of the Kingdom of Wessex to smaller, less well-known two-legged dragons. Wyver, from which the name wyvern was originally derived, came from the French word wavir, which meant vipers of life. Since then, wyverns have come to represent battle, rivalry, disease, and even strength to those who wear them in medieval heraldry. If you want to see a wyvern in action, the best way to do so besides games is in movies. Wyvern, also known as Dragon, is a 2009 Canadian-American made-for-television horror movie created by RHI Entertainment. On January 31, 2009, it made its American debut on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's a surprisingly better movie than you would expect. In the movie, Nick Chinlin plays trucker Jake Sutner, who must prevent a wyvern from devouring the citizens of Beaver Mills, Alaska. The wyvern is a formidable monster that, if it existed today, would make the world a much more terrifying place than it already is. It had barely been 24 hours since the wyvern had burst from the mountainside in Brienne's and attacked the village. Marco's home had been spared the fiery flames of the creature's attack, but the rock slide had killed several cows and knocked the back wall of the house out. He was just thankful that he and his parents were safe. Sienna, his girlfriend, had been away when it had all happened and no one from the village was hurt. The whole world was abuzz with the news of the dragon that burst from the mountain in Switzerland. Until that day, they had only been thought to be a myth. There were people pouring into the country from all over the world, wanting to hunt or just get a glimpse of the terrifying creature that had burst from the mountainside and then flown off and disappeared. Marco was patching the wall when Sienna walked in and wrapped her arms around his waist from behind. I'm sorry I couldn't get here sooner. There were so many people along the way who needed help, she told him. He laid down the hammer and pulled her around him until she was wrapped in his arms. Are your mom and dad okay? She asked when he released her. Yeah, they're fine. Mom is shaken up and dad, well, he doesn't even remember what happened. I can't believe this. It seems so unreal, like a sci-fi horror movie, she spoke. It's going to come back, he told her. I don't know how I know, but I do, and I have to stop it. Sienna looked at him with concern filling her eyes, but instead of discouraging him, she agreed and offered help. 
I'm here for you, but I want to help. You can't do it alone. It's too dangerous, she told him. Marco felt a sense of relief wash over him as Sienna spoke those words. He didn't want to take on the dragon alone. It was dangerous and a foolish idea. But with Sienna by his side, he felt like anything was possible. Thank you, he said, smiling at her. I don't know what I'd do without you. Sienna returned his smile, her eyes sparkling with determination. Let's do this, she said, pulling him towards her. But first, we need a plan. Marco nodded in agreement. Right. We'll need weapons, supplies, and a way to track the dragon. Sienna's eyes flickered with excitement. I know someone who can help us, she said. He's a dragon expert. He'll know what to do. Marco raised an eyebrow in surprise. A dragon expert? In Switzerland? Sienna nodded. He's a bit of a recluse, but I'm sure he would help. I'm surprised he hasn't already shown up here turning over every rock. Marco looked into her bright blue eyes and felt a wave of gratitude wash over him. Actually, there's something you should know about him, she continued. He's a bit unconventional. Marco frowned, unsure of what she meant. What do you mean by unconventional? He asked, feeling a wave of uncertainty. He had always been someone who preferred to have a plan and stick to it. He wasn't sure if he was ready for any more surprises. Sienna hesitated for a moment, biting her lip. He's a bit eccentric, she finally said. But he's also brilliant. He spent his whole life studying dragons and knows more about them than anyone else. Marco considered her words for a moment. He wasn't sure if he was comfortable relying on someone who was so unpredictable. But he knew that they needed all the help they could get. Okay, he said finally. Let's go see him. Sienna beamed at him, taking his hand. You won't regret this, she said, leading him towards the door. How do you know this guy anyway, he asked as he grabbed his coat. I don't really know him. My dad told me about him. They used to work together at a museum in Lucerne. Everyone thought he was crazy because he believed dragons had really existed once. Luckily for us, he moved not far from here when he retired, Sienna explained. As they stepped out into the cool evening air, Marco couldn't help but feel nervous. He had no idea what to expect from this eccentric dragon expert, but he knew that they had no choice. The dragon had to be stopped before it caused any more harm. They walked through the village, passing by groups of people who were discussing the dragon's attack. Some were excited at the possibility of seeing the creature up close, while others were terrified at the thought of encountering it. Eventually, they arrived at a small cottage on the outskirts of the village. It was a modest house, but it was clear that it was well-maintained. Sienna knocked on the door, and they waited. After a few moments, the door opened, and a man stood before them. He was tall and lanky, with wild hair and a thick beard. He wore a long coat that was covered in strange symbols, and he carried a staff made of twisted wood. Hello, Sienna said, smiling warmly. We're here to see the dragon expert. The man looked at them both quizzically, 
his eyes darting between them. What do you want with me? he asked in a gruff voice. We need your help, Marco said, stepping forward. The dragon that attacked our village. We want to stop it before it causes any more damage. The man's eyes narrowed. And why should I help you? he asked, his tone skeptical. Sienna stepped forward, her eyes blazing with determination. Because we're willing to do whatever it takes to stop the dragon, she said firmly. We need your expertise. We need someone who knows dragons better than anyone else. The man's face softened slightly. I see, he said slowly. Very well. Come inside. Marco and Sienna followed him into the cottage, taking in the cluttered shelves and strange artifacts that adorned the walls. The man led them to a small table in the center of the room and gestured for them to sit. I'm Sienna, by the way, and this is Marco, Sienna offered as they joined him at the table. Griffin, he offered back, but you can call me Griff. So, he said, settling into a chair opposite them. What do you plan on doing once you find this dragon? He asked. I plan on killing it, Marco answered quickly. I just need you to tell me how. Well, if the old stories are true, then it won't be an easy task, and it will be very dangerous, he warned. It takes a very strong weapon to kill it, but you're in luck because I just happen to have what you need. Griff rose from the table and left the room. When he returned, he was carrying what looked like a spear. This spear should do the trick, he said as he laid it on the table before them. I had it made years ago. It's made from the strongest wood and metal in the world. Tungsten, made from the best steel mill in China. And Australian beloke, which is a kind of ironwood. Marco looked at the spear in awe. It was beautiful. The hilt was carved into the shape of a dragon with its tail outstretched, and flames were coming out of its mouth where the hilt met the blade. The blade itself was dark and smooth. Marco reached out to touch it. Don't do that unless you want to lose a finger, Griff warned. Marco pulled his hand back and asked the next question on his mind. So how do we find it? The entire world is looking for it, and so far no one has found it. That's the easy part, Griff said with a smile. You won't have to look. It'll come back. Dragons always return to their lair. Your best bet is to catch it while it sleeps. If it's awake, you don't stand a chance. And you have to plunge the spear into its heart. Anywhere else will just make it angry. Griff grabbed a tablet and pencil from the hutch that stood behind the kitchen table and drew a picture of a dragon. His sketch was surprisingly good. Once he was done, he drew an X on the side of the dragon's chest where the heart was located. This should be your target. I hope, anyway. This information comes from stories. No one in recent history has ever seen a dragon until now, much less slain one. Marco still couldn't shake the feeling that he had done all of this before. Even the spear seemed familiar. Every question he asked, he felt like he had already known the answer to. 
They rose to leave after listening and taking note of every piece of advice and warning that Griff gave them. Marco was shocked that Griff didn't offer to come along. Don't you want to help take this thing down? Marco asked as they were leaving. No, I'm too old for fighting dragons. And besides, I would rather leave them in my dreams, where they have lived my whole life. He told them. And hey, I'd like to have that spear back when you're done, if possible. Marco and Sienna returned home, where she decided to stay with him until the ordeal was over. Marco let her have his room, and he slept on the couch. He fell asleep wondering when the dragon would return. But he didn't have to wonder for long. It was sometime in the early morning hours when Marco awoke. He thought he had felt the couch shaking. He would have doubted it if he hadn't seen the pictures on the walls barely moving when he opened his eyes. He had stayed fully clothed just in case he needed to get up quickly, so all he had to do was pull on his boots and grab the spear. He went to his room to wake Sienna, but then he realized he couldn't take her. She would be angry, but there was no way he would risk her life. He had to do this alone. It was still dark when he left the house and headed towards the mountainside. He had made this walk countless times throughout his life, but the terrain was different now that the mountain had crumbled down into the valley. He used a mag light to light his path as he traversed through the fallen rocks. It took him quite a while to make his way up the incline. By the time he found the gaping opening where the wyvern had torn through the mountain, he was covered in scrapes and bruises. The opening revealed a large cavern that burrowed deep into the mountain. Again, he felt like he had been here before as he walked into the dark mouth of the cave. It was as if he was replaying some past life. The inside of the cave was much easier to traverse. The ground and the walls were smooth as if they were chiseled out. He expected it to be cold, but the further he walked, the warmer and more humid it became. He slowed his steps when he began to hear the sounds of breathing. His heart began to race as he realized the wyvern was actually there inside the cave with him. There, at what seemed to be the end of the cave, was the giant reptilian monster curled up. It was so large that its body filled the entire cavern. Marco's breath caught when he saw the creature was laying on its chest with its legs curled beneath it. It was as if it was protecting its most vulnerable spot, where its heart was located. A gust of wind blew Marco's hair when the creature exhaled and started to turn. He gagged when its rancid breath filled his nostrils. It smelled of rotted meat. His body went rigid with fear as he watched the creature slide over onto its side, revealing its chest. He waited until it had settled, and it took on the shallow breath of sleep. He then slowly approached with the spear raised. He couldn't believe how easy this was so far. Would he actually be able to kill it without a fight? He had the sudden urge to touch its shiny scales, but he shook the temptation aside and plunged the spear into its chest with every bit of strength he could summon. As soon as the blade pierced its flesh, the wyvern's eyes shot open, revealing large amber irises. Its pupils were the size of basketballs. 
The creature raised its head quickly, causing rocks to rain down around Marco, and it let out a monstrous scream that hurt his ears. He didn't wait even one moment, but turned and began to run back towards the entrance of the cave. He could hear the creature behind him crashing through the cave, causing larger rocks to begin to rain down everywhere. He barely made it out without getting buried alive. Once outside, he stood on the ledge of the mountainside and watched the cave collapse. The wyvern was buried. Relief washed over Marco and his knees went weak. He stumbled to the ground as the mountainside began to explode around him. The wyvern burst through the fallen rock and shot high into the air, where the rising sun glimmered on its shiny gray and green scales. Marco could see the spear dangling from its chest as the beast hovered there with its wings flapping. It looked down at him and let out another ear-piercing scream and then dove at him with its mouth wide open. Marco thought this was it. He was going to be swallowed up by this massive creature. He closed his eyes and squatted to the ground, shielding his head with his arms. The ground shook when the creature's feet landed on either side of him. Marco's eyes were still closed tightly. When nothing happened, he reluctantly opened them and found himself face to face with this large, angry creature. When it opened its mouth again and raised its head high, Marco acted out of memory or instinct, he wasn't sure which, but he lunged beneath the wyvern and grabbed onto the spear hanging from its chest. Wrapping his hands around the hilt, he shoved the spear deeper into its flesh. He continued to push until he felt it pierce muscle and then bone. He wasn't sure if he was strong enough to finish the job, but somehow he did. A strength grew from somewhere deep inside of him, and he let out a warrior's cry as he forced the blade through the chest bone and deep into the heart of the monster. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Unexplained Encounters and Tales from the Break Room. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>